Hi, welcome to episode seven of Everyday Being, the podcast that is trying to bring uh, a greater understanding and awareness of how a simple change in our thinking and understanding and the way that we live and way that we feel can bring such a fundamental and significant improvement on our own well-being and our own happiness. Uh, I'm Gareth and I'm once again delighted to be joined by Steve. Hello Steve, how are you? Yeah, very good Gareth, thanks mate. Yeah, dried off from my (laughs) walk earlier and got absolutely soaking wet but um, so no, I'm good, I'm back in the warm now which is really nice. How about you, how's things with you? Yeah, fine, mate. Fine. I think uh, somehow virtually your your cough managed to get get down through up, up the Wi-Fi, down uh, into my Wi-Fi, and uh, had a bit of a sort of a spell over over the last sort of few few weeks. But I'm on the 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 uh, the other end of it, so I've got a uh, Mariella Frostrup. Uh, uh, frost, frosty growl, if that can, if that's even a thing. <laughs> I'm not even sure it is. But well, I've still we go. got my cough as well, so I'll, I might be muting at different moments to to, to cough <laughs> and not bother people again. Well, well, at least we'll sort of sound similar, and and uh, we, we're completely aligned. Uh, thank you once again for taking the time for you to join us on today's conversation. Um, And as we said at the end of episode six, today's conversation is about well-being and mental health. So we're really looking forward to to today's conversation and and to see exactly where it it takes us. As ever, we'll introduce some some thoughts um, and some methodology We'll explore, as we always try and do, how some of those things play out on a everyday, simple terms so that that can resonate. So we can really make the, the understanding that we have really just a, a apply and hopefully resonate and make a, make a difference to you. We've once again got a listener question that is brilliantly on topic. So we look forward to hearing what uh, Rob is, uh, is going to be asking us. Um, and then we will wrap up the, the show. Um, so today's today's episode on mental health and well-being. So this is not something that is any different from any of the topics that we've done before. This continues to be a theme um, that we keep talking about being and how it how it plays out. And what we're trying to do is bring a different topic or a different subject for us to just see how how being can have a impact in a different way in our in our lives. So this is not something that exists as a standalone conversation or episode. It once again hopefully has that similar theme from the previous episodes just and it happens that the conversations around well-being and mental health um and for for steve and i we we fundamentally believe that actually each episode in its own way is is talking about well-being and mental health it's just coming out coming out in a, in a in different way um and this is just an opportunity for us to go deeper on 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 that subject and a bit more defined one of the things that we particularly love about the topic about well-being fundamentally give 
uses the words that we're so passionate about um and 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 points at a at something that originates from being and not from doing but as steve has previously mentioned in other episodes actually an awful lot of the you know thinking application research around well-being and mental health actually comes from a doing perspective i.e what is it that i can do to create more you know better better mental health so we're going to come at it from that being perspective and and as we've tried to do in each of the episodes we will talk about how this understanding will help us navigate back to our own well-being um and i think the key state key word in that sentence is is back because steve and i have a fundamental belief that there is innate well-being in all of us and it exists already and actually the the path and understanding that we have can take us back to there we don't promise all day every day that's not something that we will ever purport to do but it is something that with this understanding that more often for for longer periods or, or or less deep actually we can get back to there and one of the one of the evidences that we hope we will show is is our own experience or even your own experience as, uh, as well and that's one of the things we're going to keep coming coming back to and I think before I hand over over to Steve, I think that's perhaps the the, the, the a key point I want to make is that th- this is different for each and every one of us, and mental health and well being means something different from from all for all of us. And at times, actually, it is a really tricky and sensitive topic. So we we will tread the path carefully when we're talking a, a, about that now. But for, for for you, actually, this might not be something that um, currently you're, you're able to to listen to and give some time to. And, and we uh, fully support that and fully understand. And episode eight won't be link, linked to this in, in, in any way. So if actually that's something you'd rather not do at this time, we absolutely un- understand. If actually that you still have a real strength of experience or is something that actually could cause a, a trigger for you, but are pre- prepared to to listen to see what, what we might might have, but know that there is some type of sensitivity or, or risk or worry for you, um, what we will try and do is we will try and be light on on this subject and we encourage you perhaps to 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 be to be the same with what you may hear and what we might talk about with let let the words let the sentiment drift in 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 with you and and around you um if nothing lands then that's okay so so be it but if there is something that suddenly gives you some sort of insight or s- stimulates some thinking in a positive way, um, then that that's that's good good too. But I think if it comes from this lightness of um, what you might hear and what you can experience, we think that's that's a good place to be. Uh, Steve, is there anything that you'd want to build on what I've just just said around? I think what just comes to mind just to build on what you've said Gareth is um, that I guess what we've been exploring as part of these episodes is that the sort of nature of our human experience in a way so I think that you can't deny that 
life is difficult. I always remember years ago, the first book I read, I think when I was 19, <clears throat> came across a book called The Road Less Travelled by Scott Peck, who's quite a, um, quite a well-known and popular book on sort of psychology. But the first sentence says, life is difficult. <laughs> and it always that always stuck with me. You know, that was, um, what, you know, 30 odd years ago. Um, because I think it just was true. I think that's why he had it as the first sentence saying, yeah, life is life is difficult. Life is challenging. Life pushes us out of our comfort zone. So in a way, what we've been talking about is, well, if if we understand what's behind that experience, is is that helpful? And I suppose we're saying, well, yeah, we think we think it is, but it doesn't deny that we will have some challenges and difficulties along the way, you know, that we might have things that <clears throat> happen to us that we struggle with. We might have to suffer with a loss or a bereavement. We might have to struggle through a period where perhaps our life is not going as we want it to go, difficult relationships or difficult times at work and so on. And so I think it's important for us to acknowledge that this is not, we're not suggesting that, this understanding means that you know all of those problems and all those challenges mm. go away. It's not. It's saying no, no. It's you know, <clears throat> life still will be challenging and difficult. But can we relate to it from a different perspective? And is that helpful? And I suppose in a way, what we've been trying to say is, yes, we think there is. There is a different way of relating to that that is then really helpful. And then also, I suppose, just to pick up on your other point, which is then. And if it's if we when we then do find ourselves in a period where we might be struggling and having difficulties, then does this understanding sort of help us navigate through that period of our of our life? And I think, again, that's what we would say is we found this really helpful. And I've certainly with lots of people I've worked with, mm. they found that that really helpful as well in terms of just being able to get back to health as you as you put it <clears throat> and I sort of think you know just to pick up mental health you know because I'm a qualified psychotherapist and so did all my training around um, mental health and different mental health conditions and so on and I think sometimes we sort of lose sight of well what's the purpose of having a mental health diagnosis you know if you go to your doctor or you go to a counsellor or a therapist you know why why do you do why do we see that as being something that's a useful thing to do and i think sometimes we lose sight of well the purpose of that is to then get you the right support to help you get back to health so the purpose of a diagnosis is to access the support that's going to help you get back to health and i think sometimes we we sort of lose sight of that mm. that that that, that one of the I think unintended consequences of some of the work that's done around the, in the mental health field is that people don't see their mental health is where they are not who they are and Dr Bill Pettit who's um, a psychiatrist he's ju just re recently retired he's 40 years as a psychiatrist <clears throat> you know working with individuals and uh, around mental health hospitals and, and so on you know, he he has some lovely phrases about, you know, never broke, never broken, nothing lacking. So that'd be one thing he would say in all his time of working with people. He said, they're never, you're never broken and you're never lacking something. 
And he would say, your mental health is where you are, not who you are. So all of his work would be about helping people to access what they have innately, those resources that they have, that we're born with, that enables us to then get back to the health that that you mentioned. And I think sometimes that's an important thing to realise that, yeah, it doesn't mean that you don't sometimes need support from other people. Um, You know, he would sometimes um, support people with medication. So said not always, but 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 sometimes and and sometimes that medication might only be for a short period of time. Sometimes it might be something that that someone might need over a longer period of time. So he wasn't denying that sometimes you could get support from the outside. But all of his orientation was about helping to connect to something within, which I guess is what what we've been talking about through, you know, through all these episodes, really. But I think that sense of it's, it's where you are, not who you are. It's just so important. And I worked with someone a little while ago who was really struggling in work, like in a really bad way. So the business was paying for her to have some support to help her through because they were really worried about her. And when I spoke to her, her, description she said I'm an anxious person was the way that she framed herself and I had a few different conversations with her I worked with her over a sort of sustained period but one of the things I was saying to her is well that's not true you're not an anxious you're not an anxious person you are someone that that sometimes struggles with anxious thinking but you're not an anxious person because there will be times in your life where you're not anxious or there have been times in your life where you weren't anxious. <clears throat> and she really struggled with that. She was in such a bad way. We had a few sort of different comments and she was really, and then there was one point where she came to me and she said, God, she said, do you know, you keep saying to me, I, I, there was a time when I wasn't anxious. I said, yeah. She said, I do remember a time when I was with my mum, when I was a young girl and I was in the park. And she said, I was playing on the swings and the bars and everything. I said, you're dead right, I wasn't anxious. And for her, because she'd been anxious for a long, you know, she, her real anxiety started in her sort of early teens when with her exams and things and carried with her all through into university and I saw her in her 30s. So in her mind, because anxiety had been such an ever-present aspect of her experience, she just hadn't realised that it's not always present. So even that moment of insight that, yeah, when I was a young girl, I wasn't anxious. Then, of course, she could start to see other times when she's not anxious that that she hadn't really noticed. So she hadn't noticed that the anxiety was where she was, not, not who she was. And there was a point in the work we did together where I could just see that that went from just, yeah, a little insight that mm. still was a little bit in the mind to when it suddenly just dropped. And you could really, there was a moment where she, I worked with her over a period of um, four days. There was a moment where she came back and you could just see that it had suddenly landed and she saw the truth of it. Like it was a, it was almost like a visceral experience of, oh my God, that is absolutely true. I'm not an anxious person. And 
just that one insight and then we you know we built on that but you could just tell that that just that one insight you know I thought actually even if she just that's the only thing she gets that was a significant shift from where she'd where she'd been before to really see that yeah I do have moments where <clears throat> I struggle with my anxious thinking but of course this understanding then helps you to recognize that and notice when that's happening and then be able to sort of step back from that and not innocently pour more fuel on the fire of just engaging with that thinking and then creating more anxiety off the back of it. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting in in that example is the subtlety of, of language, but actually the profoundness that it can, can have because you know, I guess just to just to play around with some of those words or to use the words differently it is you know her original statement of I am an anxious person versus I am a person who has maybe maybe this language isn't right Steve so build on it build on it um is I, you know I am a person who suffers from significant and prolonged periods of anxiety that have drastic impacts on my my health now that's a longer statement than than probably you, you said but what i was trying what i was trying to do with that statement w- was almost describe what her experience is because i was here and it's gone on for, for years and it has such a debilitating impact on it um and you, you know by, by sort of changing the language and that of 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 yeah change the language in the in the label because you know that that's something that we're playing around with here um i i i think you, you don't change that that the fact that she's that she is somebody that has had to deal with you know that that anxiety for that length of time and the impact that it has but actually it is just a, a shift to say no no you want you are not that you are not an anxious person you're a person with the these things so the thing doesn't change but actually the the view that you have on it or the perception becomes different yes yeah yeah i think it's that <clears throat> I, I suppose i'm really sensitive to the language people use because yeah the language they use without thinking about it, in a sense is reflective of their thinking so when people say oh yeah i'm a depressive or i'm not i'm a uh, i'm an unconfident person then you know that um, tells you a lot about their mental map, their internal representation of themselves in relation to whatever they're talking about. And it can feel like it's just words, but those words become real. They become their experience. They become their lived experience. So this isn't just about changing the language because you can just, no. you know, you could just get people to wordsmith what what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not that. It's it It's... Like to give you another example, my my daughter <laughs> once said she um, was speaking to um, one of the more senior bosses, <clears throat> and they happened to be uh, she, uh, she smokes unfortunately, so she happened to be outside having a cigarette with her this more senior boss because he smoked as well, um, and he was asking her about her more immediate boss, and. And she really struggles 
to not tell the truth, right? Which is a really <laughs> lovely trait. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, you know, and then I think I she like she doesn't know what to say because she has some negative views of this boss. This is a few years ago now, but she had some negative views of this boss. She goes, you know, Dad, she goes, what what do you do when you get caught in that situation? <clears throat> and I was saying to her, well, the problem is it looks like you know, how do you craft a, a, a way of saying something that remains neutral or whatever? Or I said, the other way is, can you see your boss from a different perspective? And she goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, other things he does that he's really good at. She goes, oh, yeah, you know, and she reeled off all these things that um, there were real positives about him and the way he went about things. And I said, oh, are there some things that you think have been really said, Yeah, yeah, and there was some other. So there was definitely, you know, um, issues on both sides of the column, as it were. And I said, well, if you see it like that, if you see it's not a black and white thing, there's a lot of grey. You know, when you're thinking about someone and how good a job they do often, there'll be, you know, lots of things you could talk about that are positives and lots of things that you might talk about that, that sort of could be improved. But then when you talk about it, you can describe it in that light. You can describe it in that broader context. And I think... That's a really important part of what we've been talking about, because when we struggle, when we're stressed, we're anxious, we're depressed, we're struggling with our mental health, we see the world in a very black and white way. Everyone sees it in a very black and white way. You know, if you're, you know, when I mentioned my struggles with depression many years ago, you know, the world is completely black and white. And that's why, you know, really tragically, you know, suicide is the, is the biggest killer of of, of particularly young men actually I think below the age of 42 it's the biggest killer of, of men because when you're struggling and you're seeing the world in a very black and white way then you know get you can get to a point where you know you want a solution and unfortunately you know suicide can be a, an answer to that problem and I you know I went I went through that myself so what we're saying is if you understand more about your experience and where it's coming from and the role of thought and how that plays out in your emotions and how that plays out in your feelings, then you see the world from a much broader perspective and or you catch yourself when you lose that. You catch yourself when you're in your black and white way of seeing things so that you then become more mistrustful of your thinking in that in that state so as soon as my thinking becomes in very black and white very fixed very judgmental very critical I sort of know it's a warning sign do I get caught in it absolutely of course I get caught in it but am I more likely to catch it yes sometimes not straight away but at some point this understanding really helps me to notice it and then realize okay now I'm getting caught and so when I'm sensitive to language, it's often because when we're quite black and white in the way that we, or quite definitive in the way that we see things, it's often an indication that we've we've lost that broader perspective. We're not seeing things from that broader perspective. Because mm. like to go back to my daughter, if she could see it from that broader perspective, then when she gets asked a question, she can give a fuller, 
answer, but it still be honest. It still be feeling like it's a truth because you're seeing something, you're seeing a situation from a, from a sort of deeper, from a deeper truth. So I think this understanding of what's creating our experience, I think does lead you to sort of seeing the world in a, in a more, um, from a much broader, less black and white, much more in the gray in a way, you know, I think often in life, you know, yeah, of course, sometimes there's some very black yes and no things, but so often in life, it's more in the gray. It's how do you navigate between, you know, what's the right answer in this situation? And is it different to what I might've done yesterday? Um, So that's, I think, more of the, the opportunity. Mm. The thing that was slightly coming to to mind for for me was was perhaps sort of a bit more into well being, but actually thinking about um thinking about sort of thinking and thinking about sort of um what what goes on in 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 our heads. Um, and I was I was thinking about some of um when when I when I exercise and um. You know, I'm 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 a runner for those of you that 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 know know me and I really enjoy it. You know, and trying to get better or 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 just actually just the the overall experience from a both a physical and a mental health perspective. Um, and and on on occasions, fairly frequently, be it you know racing or or training and trying to do stuff that is is hard. And that'll be you know di- different for for any people, but you know when when you're trying to run as fast as you, as you can, yeah, there are things that go through your my head going, this is hurting, this is horrible, I I can't I can't do this. Actually, uh, I need to stop. I need to stop. And I've, and and before I know it, I've stopped. Um, and it's you know it's happened to me on various races that I've, that I've, I've done from short and and from from long, um, and um actually that, that you know the, the thing that the reason it comes to, to mind is that is that that because of the high stress that i'm putting on my body um and that there is hurt and there is there is pain the, the pain absolutely is is there the the thinking that goes on, on in my head can't be trusted <laughs> Um, because there is such a um, stress and strain being put on the whole the whole of my body, and my, you know, including including my, my thinking and my brain. Um, but too often, do I do I trust it in the moment? Go, oh, no, you're 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 right. You, you you can't you can't do this. You do need to stop, and you do need to walk, and you can't run that pace or run this race or whatever you can can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I, I don't know if you've had this with your own exercise, Steve, but you. Know, easy to say but you know either very quickly i start again or actually it's a disaster and doesn't start start again and you look back and go well why, why did i stop there i totally could have could could do that you know and and it's almost like the either the reflective mode or being more in a quiet mind or actually it might, might not even be that actually it might be just the critical mind mind going no you could do it why the bloody hell did you stop and you're a sort of a failure failure there um um, but but the, those those two things play out, and and what I you know what I find hard is that how, how do you make sure that that 
in these moments you see your thinking as something that you can't trust because of the level of stress and strain that's on on the body and and yes in this in this example for me this is created by a physical act activity but there is strong parallels between that and being in it in something that is created um, significant stress or anxiety or depression or, or whatever through non-physical physical means but create such a level of thinking that that can't be trusted mm. um and i and i think that is you know can I, that I, something that i i find to do either in you know either in a, in a physical setting like i've given that example or even actually in the moments of anxiety or stress or or whatever it, it might be that that the reminder of your th your thinking is clouded at that mo at that moment it isn't coming from a healthy space it's coming from a place of stress you know, don't put the emphasis on it don't don't go with it it is an unhealthy thinking um and and, and look that's that's hard, hard to hard to do i in in my experience i sort of certainly find that yeah and i think what's interesting is that from this perspective that we've been talking about this more inside out sort of nature of things and <clears throat> you know one of the things i really liked about the sydney banks that we've sort of mentioned a few times you know the three principles understanding was that you know, if you listen to Sid's passed away now, but if you listen to his recordings or you listen to um, or you read some of the books, he wrote a number of different books that articulating this sort of perspective. That one of the things that really stands out is that he very he doesn't tell you what to think. And it's so interesting that there's little moments where he'll he'll definitely say look focusing on a positive thought is better than focusing on a negative thought so there's a little bit of that in there but really you know and I've listened to lots of his recordings many many times and one of the things I really loved about it when I came across it was that he wasn't telling you what to do he wasn't telling you what to think because what he was saying is that we are connected to something beyond ourselves. You know, he his his language for articulating this inside out understanding was mind, consciousness, and thought. So saying that, you know, uh, that's what creates our experience. Those three principles. So you know, mind, um, in terms of that's where um, we're having an experience. We're having an experience of thought, and then that's brought to life through our sort of consciousness. And he would say, well, they're universal principles. So they're not personal. They play out through us personally, but they're universal because we're connected to something that's 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 deeper than ourselves. That's the sense. We're not a separate self. We're sort of connected to life. So in a way, he would say, well, there's an innate intelligence to that. So his sense of your mental health is innate, something you have innately was because it's from a spiritual perspective, <clears throat> you, everyone is perfect because you're connected to that, that intelligence of life. And that's why going back to an earlier episode where we talked about this sense of our being or, or that part of us that's aware, 
that you really, when you really sort of inquire into that and rest in that place, you'll realize that whatever's happened to us through our life, that's that being, that sense of being, that sense of awareness has never been altered or affected by what's happened to us. So our experience out there is changing all the time, but the awareness, our sense of sort of being, that that deeper connection <clears throat> is unaffected by anything that happens to us. So I think that's why he was describing it as, well, that's that's innate well-being, because we're sort of connected to that, that formless intelligence. It's, it, it's sort of intangible. So what's interesting and what you're saying, Gareth, with the running is, it's really saying, well, there's an intelligence that you're connected to that there is probably a difference between knowing, knowing when you should stop, perhaps because you're you're injured or something, or you might do yourself physical harm by, by continuing, versus <clears throat> that the thinking and the, the emotions of just where we just get caught up in oh I don't like this this isn't right you know what maybe I should stop maybe I'm not a good runner I've never been a good runner why do I keep putting myself through there you know that 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 internal dialogue that everyone has on something you know we're, we're everyone that's universal unfortunately where you know we start to doubt ourselves and criticize ourselves and let's face it our internal dialogue is way harsher than anything anyone has ever said to us. Yeah, yeah. If you really, I mean, I've worked with many individuals, when you really understand what goes on in people's mind, I mean, we are the far harsher critics of ourselves. Um, so I think there is a value in in starting to get curious for ourselves. Yeah, what's what's that? What's that deeper intelligence? You know, when I'm connected to that. That, that provides fresh thinking and provides fresh insight, but also provides things that do perhaps protect us in certain situations, that, that real intelligence versus that more stressful, difficult thinking. Now, going back to Bill Pettit, I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> one of the ways he describes mental um, distress is he often says it's a, it's a love letter from life. Wow. So interestingly, what he would say is that he's he's a, he's worked with some individuals that have really had, you know, deep like psychotic breaks. And he said, even in those situations, sometimes very tragic things happen, either tragic for the individual or tragic for the people around them, because people can act from that psychotic state and do things that... <clears throat> And they wouldn't do if they were in a healthy state, particularly towards other people. But he said, you know, he said, I've come across lots of individuals where something's happened and something's played out from that psychotic state that's kept them safe. That's kept yeah. them safe or kept their children safe or whoever else might be around them because of something that has gone on, if, even in that psychotic state. So he would say, even when we're at our worst, that that deeper intelligence is still there and is still trying to work for our benefit. And he would say one of the things that you could 
and I think this is true actually in my experience that you can make a case for is that when we do go through our struggles one thing it does do is it forces us to look at ourselves it yeah. forces us to look at our experience or look at the way we're living our life or the things that are important to us or whatever it might be and I've certainly worked with people that you know when they've been able to come through that that has provided real stimulus for an insight or a shift in perspective yeah and it I don't know it just seems to me that why is life difficult and challenging well because I don't think we would grow and develop if it wasn't which is really hard because I think sometimes oh god I wish life was a bit easier but the truth is when you really examine it you know you wouldn't become a better runner if it wasn't difficult no, no. You know, that, you know, Usain Bolt wasn't born running as fast as he was able to run. It's because he put in hours and hours of training and quite difficult, stressful training to enable him to sort of do that. And I think sometimes, you know, it's useful to keep that in mind, I think, that that sometimes life is difficult which I think is the point that Bill Pettit's making is that sometimes when we're when we are struggling, it does force us to sort of step back and really start to understand a bit more about what's really going on for us, and yeah. and then be able to, you know, use that to reflect on ourselves and help us perhaps get a better, more grounded understanding. But also then work out, okay, what what do I need to do? What what seems like the right thing to do? You know, from that deeper intelligence, what what seems the right thing to do in this in this circumstance? And that's why I think that there isn't a prescription for mental health from this perspective. That's why I think Sydney Banks was very careful in not offering a prescription because there isn't one. You know, if there was, we would know what it is. Whereas we know, why does running work? Why does exercise work? Why does meditation work? Why does just sitting down and knitting work? Why does sometimes just standing outside and taking a break from your work help? It's like, why do all those things sometimes work? But why does nothing ever work 100% of the time? Because if there was a prescription, Let's be honest, we would have done it in episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you need to do is yeah, just do that. Yeah, just do these, <laughs> these seven things and you're you're done. It's like, that would be so disingenuous because there isn't a prescription. And that, I think, is one of the fundamental misunderstandings is we think it's going to come from the doing, but it's really saying, no, do those things help? Do doing some of those things, meditation, exercise, do they help? Yeah, absolutely they do. But do they work 100% of the time? No. Well, when they work, why do they work? Well, they work because fundamentally they work because they give you a break from your thinking. I think if you really examine what, why, why does something like meditation work or going for a walk? I mean, I walk a lot. Why does going for, because at its best, it changes your state. You let go of the thinking that might have been bothering you before you had your walk. And then 
from that place, your mind shifts to a different state. And that's why often when people run or exercise or whatever, they'll notice that when they come back to the perhaps the issue that was stressing them before, they go, oh, I've got, I've got an idea of what I can do in that. Because they've taken a break from their thinking and that's what's created the conditions for their state of mind to shift. And I think things like meditation, at its best, when it's when it if you track it back to what it was originally about, it was about presence. It was about being present. It was about noticing the nature of the mind. It wasn't about controlling the mind. I think that's where perhaps people sometimes misunderstand it because they think it's about controlling your thinking. Yeah. And some of the research around meditation, if you look at the research for people that have, for anxiety and depression. They reckon around 20% of people get worse by meditating. Wow. And and I think that's an important thing. Many people find lots of benefit from meditating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suspect, and just this is just my own view from just people I've worked with, that where it doesn't work is when people think it's about controlling your thinking and controlling your mind. And that's where I think people fall fall foul of it because as we've described on other episodes <clears throat> we're saying well no your thinking and your feeling your emotions flow through you it's not like you're directly personally author authoring them there's something that that flows through you so trying to control something that is not in your gift is going to cause you to be stressed yeah so that's the that's the the danger with it i think I've written down perhaps a couple of the key points we've made, Steve, just to just to sort of give us a, I don't know, a, a summary at, at this point that we can either build on or go deeper from. And I guess what what we're saying is that in the first instance, innate well-being and innate health is there, and is and is always present. We 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 were born with it. We have it today. L it, we are taken away from it for whatever reason for long periods for short periods for however frequent uh, and we have may have, have, have felt you know very long long it may feel a very long time ago that we have that innate health and well-being but you know our, our belief that it is it is absolutely there um, we've talked on previous episodes about about young children. We won't go back back to there, but they're just a you know a good example that they demonstrate innate health and well being and come back to that on that frequent basis. So so it's absolutely there. Yeah, life will throw us these challenges. Um, we've, we've described it in a range of different ways. A couple of the great Bill Pettit quotes. Um, I think one of the other Sydney Banks ones was that life is a contact sport that i've always i've always loved that you know it was never we were never given any promise that it was it was easy we are going to have these challenges and they will be different for all of us and they will be more severe they will last longer we will all have different things but you know the, the these things are are there the nature of inside out continues to apply to mental health and 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 well-being and and seeing our our thinking and how our experience and how our thinking is creating that experience is is again a reminder that this this applies here and that the 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 innate wisdom that we have um and the deeper intelligence 
st- still exist in in moments of of poor mental health and poor poor well-being they, they may not come as frequent they might be some sort of very si- small silent voice in a, a cacophony of noise you know but but it, it, it is there and different activities or different things that we do as you know maybe meditation is a good example actually can allow us to resettle or, or to calm or to to become more present whatever it might be for you but by doing so those things can give greater opportunity for wisdom and deeper intelligence to to come to us um you know there, there is no prescription <laughs> We are not saying do this and 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 do do that. What we're we're trying to look differently and think about, and this is my last point, how how our understanding of being and coming from that as a perspective rather than doing can be a useful understanding in that context of well-being and mental health. Mm-hmm. what would yeah. you add to that that list steve as a bit of a sort of uh, yeah, no, I, a summary at this point i would sort of agree with all that and i i think you know, i guess what was just coming to mind was that often in, through my work i'm working with people that are struggling so the person i mentioned earlier with the anxiety you know those are often the individuals that i get asked to support and what's what's really interesting is that and these people often high achievers, very, been very successful, but been going through their struggles, sometimes going through the struggles for, for a significant period of time. <clears throat> and when I talk to them about this and talk about the inside out nature of experience and so on, I never, honestly, I never have anyone that says, well, that's not true. So one of the things I find is that when people are at, really at a point of finding things really difficult when you start to talk about this they will often know that they're having a very different experience to some of their colleagues who are doing the same work yeah um working often the same hours sometimes sometimes even more and yet having a different experience of it so sort of in a way people like deep down intuitively now yeah there's something about me and the way I'm relating here that must be at the source of the problem now at times that goes in the wrong direction because then it looks like I'm a failure there's something fundamentally wrong with me because I'm having a different experience to someone else so I'm broken going back to to Bill's quote, you know, I, they feel like they're broken. So the person I mentioned, that's what she felt like. There's, I'm broken because I've always been struggling with anxiety. So to say to her, no, you haven't always been, and she's starting to see the truth of that, says that <clears throat> actually understanding that you're having a different experience is really helpful. And then when you pick that apart and also say, even if you are going through your struggles, there are still moments where that's not present for you. So you can't be anxious 100% of the time. You can't be depressed 100% of the time. That once people start to notice those moments where whatever that distress is, is not there, <clears throat> then of course it proves to them, well, that innately then, there is something in you that knows health 
because if you're not anxious 100% of the time or depressed 100% of the time or in mental distress 100% of the time, then it says, well, then there is there is variation in that. I wouldn't if your if your body and your mind knows what health is and lives at moments in health and well-being, then that says, well, that must be within you. And so let's explore what's the source of that and let's explore maybe what you're doing that innocently is taking you away from that and then that's such a positive that's such a positive conversation to have because when it's saying to someone look you're not a victim of circumstance you know yeah you might be in a job that's very demanding or going through a particular difficult period of your life with something that's happening in your circumstances but the one thing you can have some sense of control of is how you're relating to that and that's useful to be able to explore is there a different way of relating you relating to this but also you know when when people really notice those moments where they're not in their distress what they also will then start to see is those times often show up without them doing anything (laughs) that's the interesting thing Mm. is that the reason it's really interesting i think the reason people often don't notice those moments where they pop out is because when you're when you're stressed you definitely notice it because there's a lot going on in your mind when you pop out of it it's invariably because you're not thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about you know what's going on in your mind you don't notice it because you're so present that you don't even pay attention and it's not until someone points it out to them that they suddenly go oh my god yeah that's 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 really true actually there was a moment and i i had someone years ago that i worked with and i really helped her through quite a difficult period and she got a friend of hers to phone me because he was really struggling and I was on holiday, actually. So it's really, and I, I did have a couple of conversations with him, even though I was on holiday, because he was really struggling. And he was such a good example where he was trying to do so many things because he was so stressed. He, he'd been signed off from work and he'd been so stressed that he was doing also, he was um, trying to exercise, he was going trying to go running, he was uh, trying to meditate, he was trying to do yoga. I mean, if you you googled something on how to do yeah, it, yeah. he was doing it bless him yeah because he just was wanted to get out of the state that he was in and and in effect i was saying to him you've just got to stop it all just stop you got to stop all of that and he goes yeah but these are don't you think these are really good things to do and i said yeah they are but not from the state you're in yeah because what you're doing is you're now stressing yourself because you 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 can't be doing all these things you sit down to meditate and your mind is so busy that you just can't do it properly you go out walking and you're you're still your head is full of all your thinking so that that's not working so in a way trying to do all of these things that you think are going to be helpful becomes the source of your stress because they they either don't work or you can't do them properly properly in your own 
in your own mind. <clears throat> and I said to him, I said, is there a time when it shifts? You know, any time you notice that you should. And he said, well, he said, no, you say it. He said, yeah, sort of in the evening, about sort of nine o'clock, it does shift. He said, and then I think, well, do you know, I really, I really love my job. I love my girl. He lived with his girlfriend. He said, I, I really love my girlfriend. We've got a great relationship. I love where we live. And he goes, yeah, it does, it does, actually. And of course, <laughs> I said to him, well, it's because you've exhausted your mind all through the day. And I think what's happening is in the evening, you just let it go because you might, you've just literally exhausted your mind with all the thinking and all the things you've been trying to do. And at that moment, because you let it go, the innate well-being that's there below the surface just suddenly pops to the surface. Yeah. And you come out of it and you go, oh my God, I really, you know, my life's really good and da 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 Then of course the risk is, then the the... Um, and like for him, this was, he had so many worries, it was really disturbing his sleep. So then this is often what happens with depression, actually, it really mucks up your sleep cycles. And then, of course, you, you, you're you just caught in this sort of cycle of worry and that disrupts your sleep and you're not recovering properly. And then, of course, all the thinking kicks back in in the morning. So it's that's not you still have to do work to help people understand that. But the fact that he had a lived experience of it shifting and it sort of shifting of its own accord is is such a hopeful message, I think, for people, you know, to realise that is proof of it must be within you. If it can suddenly come to the surface without any effort on your part, isn't that hopeful? Isn't that useful to understand how that happens? and the implications of, of that. And I think in a way, just to finish that point, is that why this understanding is quite challenging in some respects is because it's reductive, it's not additive. And I think we're so used to, yeah, what do I need to do? You know, what? tell yeah, me yeah. what's the seven steps to and, and all the rest of it. And this is sort of saying, yeah, look, there are things you can do but this is really saying that when we're when we're experiencing mental distress we're always doing too much with our particularly that and that starts in the mind it starts with our thinking and we're doing too much with all of that try, innocently this is all done innocently and trying to get ourselves out of the the hole that we feel we're in but that's the source of the problem and so it's almost counterintuitive to then back away and not think and not do <laughs> because when, but that's the sort, that's the source of it. Because then once we yeah. do that, that's what puts us back into a better state. And then of course, from a better state, we just naturally do things that maintain and enhance our mental health. And that's the, well, where we started really, it's the being that creates the doing it's not the doing that creates the being yeah. unfortunately the doing if we're not careful from the wrong state the doing creates more distress it yeah. digs us further it digs us further into the hole and you really because see it, it you know. yeah because it because if that was true you know the the, the gentleman you're talking about yeah you know, you'd almost say well what you got to do what you've got to do is sit 
and 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 that wisdom will come to you <laughs> or you know or that, that all, all all those things those positive things those those you know we say i love a job i love my girlfriend and all that if you just sit then then it will come to you but actually it, as you rightly say it, it is not doing it is about who where you know, how you are being what you're being and, and where where you're coming from that allows with the mind to be quiet to allow that deeper intelligence to come and and look you know we can't we can't click our fingers and and, and make it be so you know it's it, it is unfortunately not as simple as as that but actually with you know the conditions and in the right moment the right thing will come to us and i think that's right and i think that's why <clears throat> most of the time we can sort of do that for ourselves so um you know, if you look at, there was a really interesting uh, book written by Dr. Marilyn Bowman, who's a clinical psychologist, and she um, wrote a book because she was really frustrated with um, what she described as the adversity distress model. So she said that there's just this model we have of uh, it's the adversity we experience that creates the distress. And she thought, well, that's just not true. In my clinical experience, that's not true. So she did loads of pulling together all the research to show that there are massive individual differences in the stress that people have based on toxic life events. So uh, like post-traumatic stress disorder and so on. She said, if you look at the number of people that could be diagnosed with that, it's really high, actually, people that have had difficult toxic events that could create PTSD. But the number of people that suffer with it is actually incredibly small wow because most people this is the innate part there's something within us that helps us navigate through that and 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 access that that health because that's why i think we're so resilient i think we naturally have that resilience with this now that doesn't mean that therefore there's something wrong with you if you're not able to do that, if you are struggling, some say, with PTSD, you know, because people do struggle with post-traumatic yeah, stress disorder. And, and so sometimes they need, you know, more professional support to sort of to help with that. But what we're talking about is, is a way of then supporting someone if they are struggling so it's really saying well if someone is struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder for example is an understanding of what's behind your experience helpful it's like yeah absolutely and there are things you so sometimes you know work i've done with people around that having an understanding can lessen the the uh the episodes where it might it it, it might um affect them and or it, when it does affect them, if there is something where it triggers, um, you know, it, it triggers a, a sort of traumatic response, they're able to to manage themselves through that because they understand that it will pass. And I think sometimes, you know, that sense of your mental health is where you are, not who you are. That's really helpful. Yeah. Because it doesn't yeah. mean that then you might be having an episode where you're really struggling. But if you know it will always pass, then it's just, well, how do you just look after yourself through that? And, and of course, what often happens is people are able to notice what some of the warning signs might be. 
where they might um, experience a, a sort of, a, a, you know, a tra- something that gets triggered in the here and now based on a previous trauma. So I think that's important to sort of keep in mind that what we're hopefully what we're talking about helps us naturally connect to that that innate mechanism if you like that innate sort of process that enables us to deal with quite toxic events as um, Marilyn Bowman described them but also it acknowledges that yeah sometimes we might need more professional support to do that yeah of course. And, and that's fine as well absolutely um, but we're you know certainly people like the Bill Pettits of this world working from this understanding know that it's a really effective way of working with people as well. I'm going to move us on, Steve, to our listener question, which is, as I said at the start, from Rob. Uh, So thank you to Rob, who got in touch with us and sent us an email. It's hello at everydaybeing.co.uk. Um, and Rob's question is brilliantly about uh, well-being and and mental well uh, mental health. Uh, and what Rob has sent to us is uh, physical and mental well-being can be influenced by a range of factors. For example, sleep, nutrition, exercise, etc. But I notice that when people feel under pressure, these are often early casualties casualties as they look to create more time or greater bandwidth assuming this is at best a short-term fix do you have any practical advice on how to challenge that instinct and identify a more balanced and sustainable approach for coping with pressure i think it's such a good question because i it's it's so true actually yeah i think and I, and I I can read that resonates with me. Right. Do you feel the same, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Because I I think it 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 really does speak to a truth, which is that in a way it's proof of what we're describing, because um, it looks like you need to do things for your mental health, but what we're saying is actually it's the other way around that when you live in mental health and well-being when you live in this innate state of being this everyday being as we've described it you naturally do things that maintain and enhance that state of well-being so generally when people are in good a good place they tend to eat healthily they tend to look after themselves they tend to move they tend to be socially connected um you know we just naturally do things from that state of being and the question i think is spot on that that unfortunately when we're if we start to struggle a little bit we don't realize that those activities are are sort of protective and so it's very easy to let them go really because you just think you know you know i'm really busy at the moment so i won't I normally meet up with a friend, you know, and we go for a coffee or go for a drink or whatever. But I, I yeah, I won't do that because I, I, I've got some work I need to do. I get that done or I got a sport, you know, playing a sport or a golf or whatever on the weekend, you know, a, 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 for a team where, that gives you physical exercise plus a social connection. <clears throat> you just think, oh, I won't do that because I'm I'm really busy. So I think what we're saying is, 
it's noticing that because that's the start of the slippery slope really that if you start to notice that you're wanting to sort of disconnect a little bit then you have to be very careful at that point just to catch yourself to just check and almost if you understand that sometimes taking a break from something so for example if you're what I've noticed when working with people is they will start to see a real truth that when they're dis when they're slightly stressed, a job that might take them four hours to do suddenly takes eight. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, people suddenly go, "Oh my god, that is tr that is true." I've got this thing I have to do. I've had this with people. So so there's like a monthly thing they need to do. Yeah. <clears throat> so they know generally how much time it takes. <clears throat> They really, when you start to explore it with them, they'll go, oh, my God, that is so true. When I'm stressed, that takes me like all day and a bit more. Rather than when they're in a good state, it, it takes the four hours. So, of course, when you start to, to recognize that, you start to, was it Rob's question, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you start to realize that there's a tipping point where... The harder you work, the more ineffective and inefficient you become. But you you almost have to see the truth of it. That's why what we're saying is if you understand what's creating your experience. Yeah. And an implication of that is that <clears throat> when I'm really stressed and I've got to do something that's quite difficult. I either think. I'm not in the right frame of mind to do this. So actually taking a break would be the best thing to do. Now, sometimes I realise that's not always possible because you might have a hard deadline. Yeah. But, yeah, but sometimes if you say I have a hard deadline where where I think this has been helpful for me and I know it's been helpful for other people is to go, okay, just don't overthink this. If you've yeah, got to get yeah. it done and you've got to get it done, you've got something and you've got an hour to do it, don't overthink it. Just keep to the basics of it and crack on and get it and get it done. Whereas often we, oh my God, I've only got an hour and uh, and, and we, we start overthinking it and then we're sort of distracted and, you know, and we just put ourselves under more and more pressure. So just not doing that. And sometimes, and I certainly find this, sometimes I just know, even just taking a, certainly working at home now, you know, just going down and thinking, right, I'm just going to make a cup of coffee. I'm just going to go outside, put the kettle on, stand outside in the garden, <clears throat> get some fresh air, and just take the five minutes it takes for the kettle to boil, just to break to break my state. Even that can be incredibly helpful. So I think sometimes we don't realise that our state of mind can change incredibly quickly actually. yes that's a great point it will so i think for rob you know i wouldn't say that every time i can shift my state of mind but even if it doesn't i'm much better at just okay if i've got to do it do it and not overthink it and and catch those times when actually taking a break and looking after myself would definitely is the more effective thing that when I then come back to my desk, I can just, you know, the four hours it might take me is much more going to be the time I'll have to spend on it. 
rather than the the eight hours it takes from a stress state. Yeah. Does that sort of does that ring true in your experience as well, Gareth? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. I think there's some lovely, lovely uh, things there for Rob to to you know take on board and to to think about and let wash wash over him. Um, the the thing that I was thinking about when you you spoke was that uh, there's almost like that sort of life's life's warning system was you know when when you know when there is something going on or as rob says that you know coping with with pressure or feeling un, under pressure and these things are slipping or um actually you know to some extent these things not happening the way that you 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 want them to or you're doing them and they're not and they're not you know realizing the benefits as you would normally expect they're almost just a great example that something's not quite right um and and actually you just know just noticing as we, as we often say that actually some something's a little off here something's not quite right and you know it is our temptation naturally to go and think well what would it be what's what's causing all those things what's causing the stress and maybe the stress is really 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 clear but i think just that just noticing that that these things are happening and and either find, you know allowing the wisdom to come to you to say what's causing this or to do some thinking or to have that clarity of where it's coming from i think that even that can be really pragmatic to say i i see what i see what's going on i see the state you know, that that i'm currently in i see where you know where i am not who i am um, just to use that phrase once once again, I think that could be hugely powerful, and 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 I, and I do think, as Rob says in his question, is 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 that practical advice? I think that is practical advice to 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 notice what's going on, and to understand and come from a being perspective that actually it it will change because it does. Um, we don't know when, we don't know how long, we don't know how deep it, it you know it will impact, but it, it it will change. And and separately, the wisdom and uh, deeper intelligence will come to you that it will enable you to get back to that innate well-being state that we genuinely believe is there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lovely. I know we're going out of time, but because quickly, there's real lovely story that. I often use in therapy with people and it's I'll try and give the shortened version of it but it was a, a story about a very wise um, ruler who um, gathered all the wise people of the kingdom together and said you know I want you to give me something that will help me in every eventuality of life right. something that will always stand me in good stead and this ruler was seen as a very sort of wise ruler um, and uh, very loved by the people and so on. Anyway, the, <clears throat> the, the, the wise people got together and they came up with something and they gave it to the, um, to the ruler in a ring. And they said, don't look at this ring. Uh, the, there's an inscription on the back that only look at when you really need it. And... Um, Anyway, so what happened was that kingdom was invaded by uh, an enemy force and the king um, was uh, um, uh, chased out of the kingdom. And as he was being chased away, he remembered the ring. 
and the the ring said this too will pass <laughs> <laughs> and he thought oh that's really that's really helpful and anyway what happened was the he managed to uh, get his forces back together and they retook the kingdom and they're coming back into the capital and all the people were out because this very wise ruler they were really pleased to to see this person back and he just had that moment of thinking oh thank god for that you know everything's everything's well in the world then he remembered the ring and he looked at the ring and it said and this too will pass yeah and he thought oh that's useful and i think i love that story because that is just the truth of that's what we're saying really is that you know mental distress unfortunately times when everything is flowing and going really well that that too will pass the the distress and the stress we might experience that that too will pass and i suppose what we're saying is it's really interesting is which is the innate state now i think i come across people that think um i would do a lot of work with lawyers they just think oh that's just it's stressful it's anxiety provoking that is just the way it is. And if you're going to do that job, that is the, the way it's going to be. And I spend my life in a way saying, no, that's not that's not the true nature of our experience. The true nature of our experience is innate mental health and well-being. The stress is an unnatural state. It's something that we all have to dip into. That's part of the fight or flight mechanism but it's only meant to be short acting. And so what I'm often trying to say to people is, you, what, what's your ground? Right? Your ground to, in what we're describing, Gareth, is no, that mental health and wellbeing is your ground. Now, will it pass? Yes, unfortunately, you will have times in your life that are painful, difficult, challenging, but that, that will pass. And it's which one is your ground. And I think many people think the ground is just the stress, anxiety, depression. That's who I am, you know, going back to that. And then they think these moments where they come out of that are, are fleeting. They're sort of, and they never, they never last, which they don't. But they, they think those are the unnatural states. And we're saying, no, it's the other, it's the other way around. And it, and it's fundamentally different if you live from that place of knowing that this is innate, I have this innately, and therefore it's the things I innocently do that take myself away from them, that the things I've got to be mindful of. And the times when I have to, you know, think about how I'm navigating myself you know, through that. But unfortunately, that you know, life is an up and down experience. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think what this does is the dips aren't quite so, so the drops aren't quite so deep and they certainly don't last as, they don't last as long um, and they, they will pass. We, we we could keep talking about that that yeah. topic i've never heard you tell that story before oh. I, i've never I, you and i've never even talked about that phrase before i've got stories galore about that phrase but we're, <laughs> but we won't go there because we, we are out, out of time uh thank you 
once again for taking the time for you uh, and for spending time with us and we genuinely hope that in episode seven and our conversation today about mental health and well-being there has been something that has been of interest or been of use or may have just sparked some 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 curiosity uh, amongst you uh, in you and hopefully it's continued to build this awareness and understanding of being and how it plays out day in, day out, and how this greater understanding can have a really significant impact on on you and, and hopefully on others. Um, if you have any questions, as ever, we'd be delighted to hear from you. The email address, as hopefully you know now, is hello at everydaybeing.co.uk. Please get in touch. Equally, you can uh, send us a message uh, or follow us on Instagram, where our username is everyday.being. So that's everyday.being. Uh, somebody had already taken everyday being, so we've got the dot in between. Um as we've said many, many times, and we'll keep saying this, is we want this to be a growing community and growing gang of us. So questions and comments genuinely help. If you would like to get involved and have conversations with us in future podcasts, we would be over the moon to hear from you. So please uh, do get in, in contact. It can be uh, a short or as long or as a question, or you can join us for a longer conversation. That would be uh, incredibly um, different and wonderful. So we'd love to hear from from you um any last 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 thoughts steve before we finally wrap up no that's all sounds good and thanks everyone for for listening to today's episode yeah and what i said we'd love to hear any questions that come to mind from this so we will move on to episode eight which will be a last in the first series of everyday being we're going to treat this as a bit of a summary episode to sort of bookend uh the first the first series where we'll revisit some of the key key themes and and topics and again talk about some everyday examples we look forward to you joining us for that this too has passed <laughs> well said see you mate thanks everyone <laughs>